How many of you are thankful for this book right here? Oh, I'll tell you, it is my daily manna, it is my bread, it is my strength, it encourages me, builds my faith, shines light on my path. The entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. And we're the simple. Amen? I want to talk to you today about when God stretches your faith. How many of you can honestly say, well, this is for me because my faith sure is being stretched lately. Come on, raise your hand. In one way or another, many of us are going through a stretching of our faith, but it's a good thing. And I want to read to you quickly a, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. And let's just begin, I'm reading out of the New King James. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him, that is Jesus, to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats. Now this is early on in Jesus' ministry. He's just getting started. And he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, that is Peter's, and asked him to put out a little bit from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. I love this. Read this with me, would you? Launch out into the deep. Tell your neighbor, launch out into the deep. Seriously. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now Simon answered and said to him, Master, in case you don't know about it, we've toiled, worked all night, we didn't catch a thing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, look what happened. They caught a great number of fish so that their net was breaking. So they had a signal to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Can you imagine having so much? You've got to have people come help you. All right? And they came, and they filled both the boats. Forget the nets. Now we're just filling up the boats. So that they began to sink. Everybody say a net breaking, boat sinking load. That's what Jesus gave them, a net breaking, boat sinking load. Let me go on. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astonished, stunned at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. They were the ones in the other boat. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you are going to catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook everything and followed him. Father, thank you for your word. Bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell your neighbor, better listen. This is for you today. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. Now we know, a little bit of history here, that prior to this event, Peter had already met Jesus. This isn't the first time he met him when Jesus got into his boat and did what he did, teaching from his boat. But one chapter earlier, chapter 4, we read that Jesus went into Peter's house and healed his mother-in-law. So Peter had already seen that Jesus was not a normal man, not a typical man. His mother-in-law was burning up with a fever, and Jesus took her hand, and she was healed 
when he took her hand. So Peter had already seen this, and he'd already heard him teach. So one chapter later, after Peter's first encounter with Christ, uh, Jesus is faced with a huge crowd following him. And it's such a crowd that it's pressing in on him where he really doesn't have any room to move and he needs some space. So he gets into Peter's boat and he says, shove out a little bit into the shallow so that I can have some space and I can teach this crowd. So they, they shove out into the shallow. So notice this now. Jesus is in the boat teaching and Peter is sitting there listening. Soaking it in. But guess what? He's tired. He's frustrated. He's ready to go home. He's been fishing all night and didn't catch one thing. How many of you fishermen in here know what it is to be skunked? Totally skunked. You you go out there with high hopes of that great big bass and you don't get anything. Not even a little bitty perch to brag about or lie about. All right? But when Jesus finishes teaching, rather than return to the shore, he says to a tired Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, Peter's first response is understandable. He tells Jesus they fished all night long and they haven't caught a thing. Maybe, Lord, you don't know, but they're not biting today. So it's useless for us to go out into the deep. That was his first response. Lord, they're not there uh, today. It's just not a great day to fish. But then he said something that would open the door for a great miracle and change the course of his life forever. Change the course of his life forever. The Bible says, he said, nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word. Folks, I want you to say nevertheless. Because Peter's looking at a a dead night, nothing had happened, no fish biting, nothing in the net, nothing to show for a night of toil. And Jesus says, go out back into the same water, to the same deep, to the same place, and fish again. Let down your net again. And it didn't make any sense. But Simon Peter had been watching Jesus teach. He already knew that he could do miracles because he healed his mother-in-law. So he has enough faith to stick a nevertheless onto his practical businessman statement that it doesn't do us any good, won't do us any good to go out again. He, he adds a nevertheless, since it's you, Lord, saying it, since it's you telling me to launch out, since it's you telling me to do this, though it doesn't make sense to me at your word, I'll go back out and I'll let down the net and I'll see what happens because you said it, Lord. Since you commanded me, that's worth an obedient step because you said it. No matter what I see. No matter what I see, what I know, what it looks like, you said it. And so nevertheless, Lord, at your word, I'm going out again. And I'm going to try again. And I'm going to see what happens based on your word and not what I see. Now I want to point out three key things from this story that I love. This is a great story. I love it. And uh, let, me, let me just share these things with you, because I believe that there are people here today that God is saying, I want you to launch out into the deep. 
It's time for you to launch out. It's time for you to stretch your faith. It's time for you to get back into the game. It's time for you to get off the sidelines and get out there and try to catch the ball and try to make some yardage and try to make a touchdown for the kingdom of God. It's time to get up off our blessed assurance and get out there and stretch our faith again. So here it is, first of all. If you are going to follow Jesus, folks, you can expect your faith to be stretched and challenged. If you're going to follow Jesus, how many of you can say, I know Jesus? Come on, raise your hand if you say, I know Jesus. Yeah, he's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's living in my heart. Is that everybody in here? Most everybody in here? How many of you know if you died right now, you'd go to heaven because of what Jesus did for you? All right, so we're following Jesus. Now, if we follow Jesus, you can expect your faith to be stretched and challenged. Think about it. In the natural, Jesus' command to Peter didn't make any sense. Peter and Andrew had gotten totally skunked, caught nothing all night. They'd thrown that net in over and over and over and over all night long, pulling it in only to find it totally empty, nothing on the hook, nothing in the net, nothing. Their whole night was a great big nothing burger. Now, that's like being a car salesman in August and going out there in the middle of the heat all day long on a hot pavement and showing cars all day long. And at the end of the day, you haven't sold one car. There's nothing to show for all your labor. And so they're frustrated. They're ready to go home. They're ready to call it a day. They're ready to chalk it up as just a really bad night of fishing. And let's try again sometime. They'd already left their boat. And they were washing their nets to go home, grab some sleep, start again. They were done. They closed the shop. It was over. And here comes Jesus with an inconvenient, impractical, and very improbable command. Get the nets again, get into the boat again, launch out into the deep again, let the nets down again. It didn't make any sense. But Peter said, well, because you're the one saying it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Now, when he went back out, folks, his faith in the man, Jesus Christ, was stretched, pushed, challenged. We see this all through the Gospels. Jesus will challenge your faith. He hasn't changed. Doesn't the Bible say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? So the same Jesus that challenged their faith and said, I want you to do something impractical. I want you to do something inconvenient. I want you to do something improbable. I want you to get back into the boat and go out into the deep and try it again. I want you to give it another shot. It didn't make any sense. Challenged. And stretched was their faith. You see this all through the Gospels. People that encountered Jesus, he always challenged your faith. Watch this. When Jesus saw the man with a withered hand, what did he say to him? Stretch forth your hand. Stretching forth his hand, he was stretching forth his faith. Because he was bringing that hand out for everybody to see, withered. And yet when he brought it out, pop, it was healed. He told the servants of the wedding in Cana, he said, fill the jars with water. They looked at each other and said, I don't think he understands. We need wine, not water. 
But he stretched their faith, and Mother Mary gave them the best advice a mother ever gave. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. And they did it, and the water became wine. He said to the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda, who had been paralyzed for years, he said, get up. And that man had to stretch his faith to stand on the word of God and get up when he had not stood up for years. His legs were atrophied. His body was atrophied. He had been a paralytic all those years, yet Jesus said, get up and stretched his faith. He told the disciples who were looking at a crowd of 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And he said, let's feed them. They said, we don't have enough food to feed. Where are we going to get enough food? Give me what you have. And they looked at five paltry loaves of bread and two measly little fish. And Jesus said, give me what you have and watch what I can do with what you have. Watch what I can do with what you have. And he stretched their faith. And they gave it to him. And they watched the bread and the fish multiplied where everybody ate. And there were baskets left over. A net-breaking, boat-sinking load. He told Mary and Martha, roll away the stone. Roll away that stone. Lord, you don't understand by now he stinks. Roll away the stone. I'm telling you, roll it away. It took straight uh, faith. It took stretch faith. For Martha and Mary to roll that stone away and let Jesus get to their brother Lazarus. But they did it. And when they stretched their faith and obeyed God, Lazarus got up and came out of that tomb, resurrected from the dead after being dead four days. Now listen to what Jesus did. Listen to the commands. Launch out. Stretch forth. Fill the jars. Get up. Give me what you have. Move the stone, launch, stretch, fill, get up, give, move. Every time before he did a miracle, he stretched the faith of the recipient. How many of you want to see God move in your life? I said, how many of you want to see God move in your life? That's about 10% of you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The last couple of years, COVID has beaten up the church. But let me tell you what's happening inside of me. I'm done with COVID. I'm done with sitting back. I'm done with letting anything stop me from what God has called me to do. I am ready to move forward and see God do some strong things in this city and in this world. What about you? So I hear Jesus launch out, stretch forth, fill the jars, get up, give me what you have, move the stone. Amen. Amen. And in every one of those instances that I just went over, his command was inconvenient, his command was impractical, and his command promised the improbable. But if you're willing to be inconvenienced, if you're willing to get out of your lazy boy, if you're willing to put down the channel changer, if you're willing to come out of your safe zone, if you're willing to get your feet wet, if you're willing to step out, I hear the Lord saying, launch out, launch out, launch out into the deep, launch into the deep. When they obeyed, they caught a great number of fish, so their net was breaking. It was such a catch they couldn't handle it alone. They had to ask for help. 
And, and once the nets were filled, they started throwing fish in the bottom of the boat, and the boats filled up. Here you got full nets, full boats, and the boats began to sink. And that's the kind of blessing, that's the kind of answer Jesus gave when they launched out into the deep. Amen. Everybody say net breaking, boat sinking, load. Now there's a second message in this story today, and here it is. If you want to catch the catch of a lifetime, if you want the catch of a lifetime, you've got to be willing to launch into the deep. When Jesus told Peter to launch out, they were in the shallow water. They were in the shallow. They were in the comfort of the shoreline. They were in a no-risk zone. When Jesus said, Peter, if you want the catch of a lifetime, you're going to have to leave the shallows and go out into the deep. You're going to have to step out and go into the deep, Simon Peter. You're not going to find what you want in the shallows. You're not going to be able to totally fulfill the will of God for you in the shallows. No, Peter, your greatest dream will be fulfilled if you leave the safety of the shallows and go into the deep. You've got to be willing to be inconvenienced. You've got to be willing to do the impractical. And you've got to be willing to leave the safety of the shoreline and launch out into the deep. Peter, you're going to have to take some risk. Faith risk. Faith-led risk. Risk that is within the parameters of the Bible, but it's still risk. I'm not talking about doing something stupid, doing something ill-advised, doing something unwise. But I'm saying, folks, right now we're looking at the deep blue of a lost culture that is going straight to hell faster than I can count the days. And right now it's time for churches everywhere who love Jesus and believe he's the only way, the truth, and the life to stand up get up, speak up, go forward, and launch into the deep where the multitudes are, where the big fish are. And you know what? When you get out there in that deep blue, there's sharks too. Oh, yeah. It may be the jails and the prisons where the teeming masses of lost men and women in deep darkness are. You got to go to them. They're not going to come to us. That's why I want to build that set. That's why I want to take our church forward. Because they're not going to come to us. We're going to have to go to them, onto their turf, into their world, and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ with us. It may be the vast, deep blue of television and radio, like we're already doing, or social media that I've already talked about, where huge numbers of people who don't know Jesus can be reached with the gospel. The deep blue is all around us. Do you see it? The deep blue, Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look on the field. It is white for harvest. You know what he was saying? I'm talking about the deep blue. I'm not talking about the shallow. I'm talking about the deep blue, going out there and taking some risk, stretching your faith, allowing yourself to be inconvenienced, allowing yourself to do something that may be impractical, but obeying God, walking on the word of God. Leave the safety of the shallows. Get out of your comfort zone. Leave the security of the nearby shoreline and place your trust instead in the Word of God. And we learn from Peter here also, 
You can't allow your context to be the prophet of your outcome. I want you to listen to that again. You can't allow your context, your circumstances, what it looks like now to be the prophet of your outcome, your future. Listen to me, church. This is so important because we do this, all of us do this so easily. See, Jesus says to Peter, he says, I want you to launch into the deep. First thing Peter thought was, but you haven't seen my context. My context is that I fished all night and caught nothing. They're not biting. That's my context. My circumstances, Lord, are not looking real promising right now. They're not biting right now. Things are not the way I wish they were right now. I've had setbacks. I've had disappointments. I've had disillusionments. I'm a disillusioned man. I didn't catch anything all night long. I want to go home and forget about it. And Jesus was saying to him, don't you dare allow your context to be the prophet of what your outcome is going to be. No, no, no. You can't allow your circumstances to be the predictors of what God is going to do down the road. What it looks like today is not what it's going to look like tomorrow. Weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Is anybody hearing me today? I want you to catch this today. See, so often we allow our context to be the prophet of what we think our outcome is going to be. But your circumstances are not the predictors of your tomorrow. Your circumstances are not the prophets of what you're going to be. No. Peter had caught nothing all night long. That meant nothing to Jesus. He said, Peter, forget your context. Forget your circumstances. Forget what you experienced all night long. I'm giving you a word to walk on. And my word is what's going to be the prophet of your outcome, not your circumstances, not what you look like, not what you make, not what your educational level is or isn't. Not what is surrounding you. Not what people have said about you. You don't have much promise. You're not very smart. You're not very gifted. Well, you're just a real good, plain kind of guy or girl. But listen, when God gets a hold of something, and God speaks a word over something, and God calls something to be something and do something, it doesn't matter what the context is. When I got saved, I was sitting in juvenile home. I had no high school. I hadn't been to ninth, 10th, 11th, or 12th grade. I was in there on a felony. They told me I was going to go to prison. It looked grim for Jeff Wickwire. People had already said to me, we've done everything to help you. Nobody can help you. But they didn't take into account an invisible person who was watching me the whole time. Now listen, he did not look at my context and say, well, if he had high school, I could do something. Or or if he was this or that, then I could really do something. But since he is where he is, I really can't do anything. No, God delights in touching the things that are not and bringing them up to confound the things that are. Amen? And, And so God took me and he took you. And look what the Lord has done. Your context did not matter. And folks, my concern about the church is the church right now is living in the shallow. So much of the American church is living in the shallow water. Afraid to leave the safety of the shallows. Afraid to stand against political correctness. Afraid to stand on the word of God. Afraid to stand on Jesus Christ being the only way, truth, and life. Afraid to say that they're Bible people, that they believe the truth of the scriptures. Afraid to take a bold stand for God. 
They live in the shallows and they compromise this and compromise that and before long they're not influencing anybody for anything much less the kingdom of God. No, God is looking for a people who will launch into the deep. So we look at our context and we say, well, if I only had this or only had that. I spent time this week with a guy. Uh, I can't remember his full name, but he's been everywhere in print in all kinds of Christian periodicals, a really, really good writer. But I sat right in front of him at this gathering. His name is Shane. And we began to talk. And he said, you know, I have no high school. I'm dyslexic. I, I read everything backwards. I was never trained in anything. I was a drug addict. I was hooked on steroids. And I was an alcoholic. And I lost my first marriage because of my addictions. And I was in a pit. And one day I heard about Jesus. And when I heard about Jesus, I got saved. And before I knew it, I'm writing. Before I knew it, people want my writing. He said, right now, I don't know how I do it because I can't read right. But I'm writing. And my writing has gone all over the world. And he's writing for James Robinson's ministry. And he said, Jeff, I don't know how it happened. Because I look at a sentence and I read it backwards. I said, you'd be good for Hebrew. Because <laughs> Hebrew reads right to left. You'd be a Hebrew scholar. But, but that's the way he reads. And yet he said, but my context did not predict my outcome. Because my outcome was based on the word of God and the will of God and the power of God and the enabling of God and the gifting of God. Not my context or my own abilities. Amen. Yeah. And more than that in Peter's answer. He said, Lord, we fished all night. I think there's a little bit of professional pride talking there. Because he's saying, I'm an experienced fisherman, Lord. Maybe you don't know. But let me just tell you, I'm an experienced fisherman. I've been around my whole life, Lord. I know that lake like the back of my hand. And, and Lord, uh, I know how to put together a team of fishermen. And I know how to get results, Lord. Let me just inform you about me. Remember that old movie that guy said, do you know who I am? Maybe you don't know who I am. Listen, sometimes we have an attitude with God. Do you, do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Do you know that I know what I'm doing? And, and, and Peter was thinking, me and my boys, uh, we're all professionals. And we didn't catch a thing, Lord. Just filling you in. So in my professional opinion, Lord, it'd be a waste of time to go out there. But Peter didn't know that while he knew where and he knew when and he knew how to fish and he had the experience, he knew how to pick a crew of fishermen to bring in the big catch. There was one important fisherman that wasn't with him that night. His name was Jesus. Now listen, church. When Jesus tells you to do something and you do it, things happen. Come on, everybody. Yeah. So at the end of the story, Peter learns loud and clear. Your context is not the predictor of your outcome. Oh no. What is the predictor of our outcome? 
the Word of God. The Word of God and what He tells you to do. And when he tells you to do it, like Mary told the servants at the wedding, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Because when you do what he tells you to do, things happen. Things happen. Amen. About a year ago, I got a call from Christian Satellite Network. And they said, hey, would you be willing to go on a national call-in program answering Bible questions? from around the country, would you be willing to, to be the co-host with the guy that's doing it? Would you, I said, what do you mean? Will you be taking questions from around the country? Uh, will I have a pause button or a delay? No. You're going to have to know as soon as they ask what the answer is. And my first reaction was, I've never done that. And I don't know that I can do that. Because uh, you're in rush hour traffic in California. They're all listening. And if you go, duh, then everybody hears it. And my first reaction was, well, maybe you don't know. I've never done this. But then I thought, no, God's opened a door. But what it's going to require is me stretching my faith and going into the deep blue, because that's the deep blue. When you're on live in every state in the union, every time zone, all over the United States of America, and they're going to ask you, you don't know what. And so I did it. And at first, I'm going to tell you, if you'd seen a picture of me, my lower lip was trembling. I was trying to look educated and professional because, you know, you're, you're online. But inside, I was thinking, Jesus, help me. <laughs> but it stretched my faith. And I launched into the deep blue. And now, I love it. I'm sailing out there in the deep blue. Because the grace of God has helped me. It's not Jeff. It's the grace of God. I found the Holy Spirit was with me. When I needed an answer, he gave me some kind of an answer. Stand with me, would you? I guess what I'm doing today is I'm, I'm lovingly rattling our cage. I'm rattling your cage. And I'm rattling my cage. Because COVID put us in a defense, sit back, uh, and settle for kind of mode. And I think it's time for the church to stand up again and roar, people to get involved. So I'm going to challenge you to do something. I'm going to challenge you to ask yourself this question. Where in my life is the Lord saying, launch into the deep? Educationally, ministerially? getting involved in the local church, ministering to others, using your gift, the gift that God gave you, witnessing to that neighbor of yours, uh, plugging in to some ministry that pulls on your heart. What would get you out of the lazy boy to put the channel changer down and, and get out there and get involved? Because that's where the catch of your life is. The catch of your life. You know what I'm expecting this year? I'm serious, the catch of my life. The catch of my life. Yeah, God willing, God willing, God gracing us, I want our church to have the catch of our life. We're going to build that set. We're going to get out there. We're going to go into the deep blue where the sharks are. 
And we're going to cast that net. And we're going to bring in a net-breaking boat sinking load. I believe God for it. Amen? How many of you want to go? You want to go? Yeah. Amen. How many of you can say to me today, Jeff, God has been prodding me, prompting me, nudging me to get out of the boat, step on the water, get out of the shallow, launch to the deep. Raise your hand. He has. I want you to come to the altar. Come down. Come down real quick. I want to have a prayer with you. Come on. Come on. Time to get out of the safety zone, out of the no-risk zone. Now, the rest of you, by not coming, you're not saying, I don't want to be involved. I know that. But these are people who are distinctly aware that God has been nudging them. And those of you that aren't sure, a nudge is coming your way. A nudge is coming your way. Amen. And, he, and this lady says, he wants me to kill the sharks. Well, there are some sharks to be killed. There are some, there are some devils to be rebuked. There are some strongholds to be brought down. And, and we're going to believe God for it. And I know that people in our different departments, they're all thinking the same thing. Johnny Kobar here thinking that for uh, man church, men's ministry. We're about to have our first men's conference. We're believing God for a net-breaking, boat-sinking load. Uh, the women, though Cindy's not here, she doesn't mind me saying it. We're going to hear from Pam in just a minute. Where are you? Oh, Sam, Pam's right there. Um, that we're believing for the women's ministry, a net-breaking, boat-sinking load. Going out there, social media, television one day, we're believing for a net-breaking, boat-sinking, the catch of a lifetime. So let's lift our hands to the Lord, all of you down here. Father, these are your people bought with a price. I pray, Lord, you'll be with every one of them. Now, Lord, you've been nudging them to step out of the boat, to get out of the shallows, and to go into the deep. Lord, I pray you'll give them wisdom, wisdom guidance, knowledge, understanding, to move boldly at the same time within the parameters of Scripture. That, Lord, we would see the catch of a lifetime in this dark day perilous times when everything that can be shaken is being shaken yet Lord we're part of a kingdom that can never be shaken and so Lord being part of that kingdom we want to take an unshakable kingdom to a shaking world and bring the light and the truth to them and Lord we want to use the gift you've given us we want to see fruit come from what you have deposited in us. So I want you to say with me, church, those of you that are down here, just say, Lord, I give to you the nudge I've been sensing. Lord, help me to obey. And I know if I obey, things will happen that are supernatural. Supernatural. Yes supernatural that no man could concoct or think up or make happen Lord we just thank you for it right now now lift your hands say Lord I see it and I believe it I believe it I believe it and I set my face to obey the Lord in Jesus mighty name 
Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Thank you, Lord. 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 By the way, on that Bible calling question time, we've had some of our own people calling. Hey, Pastor Jeff, this is so-and-so, and I'm in your church, and I've got a question for you that I wanted to ask you, but I can't get to you in the altar. So now I'm just calling you on this, and we answer the questions. It's, it's neat. But we've got friends now in every state in the union that are contacting us because God said, stretch your faith, Jeff. Don't sit in the shallows. Amen. So I want all of you to be excited. I want you to be worked up in a good way. I want you to be full of zeal and fire because things are going to happen. Amen. Amen.